I had to, since we're talking about David Cancel and uh, Drift, I had to put the Drift hat on, bro. Fair. Gotta give him some love. Are you immersed in a sea of business advice and education, but not sure what to embark on first? Instead of adding to the ocean of information, we're here to help you navigate it like a pro. The Wayfinding Growth Podcast will help you take a deep dive into new actionable strategies, tools, and tactics to help you grow. So start charting a course for business growth as you explore a better way to grow further, faster, with your hosts, Remington Begg and George B. Thomas. Remington Begg. What doing? up, dude? I don't know, Good. man. I'm, I'm still trying to come off of last week's episode. Like, there are so many things that I want to talk about. There are so many pieces that were, like, mind-boggling moments. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah, I do. And I was super quiet in the beginning, so I got to make up for that in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I honestly think that you're going to be speaking a lot because, well, this is kind of your thing. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's go ahead and get into this. All right, and I'm super excited to be back for another episode of Wayfinding Growth, and we are recapping, we are recapping the episode that was David Cancel from Drift, and man, is it going to be crazy, crazy cool. Remington, what are your initial thoughts before we really dive into this voyage? Yeah, so one of the things I think we have to really make sure is he gave some directions on people who want to get free VIP passes to Hypergrowth. If you're getting going to inbound and you're listening to this and you're going to be there the day before you can get VIP tickets to Hypergrowth. If you go listen to our episode and do what he says uh, in the, in the, uh, in the podcast episode. So check it out. You got to look at it. It's um, it's a huge opportunity. And if you're already up in Boston for inbound, you might as well roll with it. Now, what I really thought about the whole episode was um, super humble. I think that's like my biggest takeaways. So I feel like David has a platform to be able to like scream from the rooftops about how awesome things are and how awesome things are going and growing. Um, you know, they're doing a lot of stuff. And it was it was I want to say surprising, but that's not even the right word because it's not like I expected him to be, you know, like overwhelming with it. But just he seemed very, very humble about where they are, what they've done in the past couple of years. And I thought that was really cool. But digging into some of the pieces, we can get into a little bit more. But in general, what was yours? Yeah, you know, for me, there's two main things. One, I was amazed that we never mentioned the fact of seeking wisdom and he never mentioned the fact of seeking wisdom. And like – it goes to what you said about kind of not being promotional, if you will. But then also because of being a listener of Seeking Wisdom, I had kind of bet myself. Have you ever done that where you like bet yourself? I bet myself like how long will it be before David mentions a book? And it was like within the yeah. first section that he mentioned a book. But I'm not going to tell you what book it was because if you haven't watched the episode, you need to go back and watch it. Now you've got two reasons why you should have watched that episode before you got to us. But I will also say that, um, man, like David has been around a while, right? <laughs> like, and, and what I started to think about when he was telling his story at the very beginning of the episode was Gary V has this thing where he talks about betting on the jockey. And I was like, as David was telling his story, I'm like, man, this is, this is a jockey to bet on. Like this guy has done some amazing things. Um, and, and also like it, 
you can tell that he's just inherently built to add value to whatever world it is that he is in at that moment. Um, and then I found it very interesting how hard it was for him. And again, you kind of precursored this at the very beginning, how hard it was for him to really talk about uh, the business that is drift or conversational marketing when when you know and I know I've met business owners that would just be like, oh, yeah, we've got this thing and it's the best thing ever and you should buy like 17 of them. And he just wasn't that way, which was absolutely amazing and I loved. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty pretty interesting. You know, we were trying to pull it out of him like three or four times and hell – you've got a drift hat on right now. Like we're obviously, you know, on the drift bandwagon and, you know, with everything else that's going on. But I think one of the very cool things was I'm listening to him talk and halfway through, I'm like, this episode is about conversational marketing, but we need to get this guy back so that we can talk about how he grows businesses. Because, you know, he mentioned, I think he's on his fifth company right now. And, you know, he's obviously been around the block, like you had said, like, I want to know what it takes to bring that from from a onesie twosie employee company to like he's doing some serious growth right now. Um, I think that would be a really fun episode. So, David, if you're listening to this, hit us up. Let's get you uh, let's get you back on and let's talk about growing business rather than just conversational. Yeah, totally agree. Like there needs to be a phase two. And it's funny, Remington, because when I hear you talk about that, there's actually multiple guests where yeah. now that we've had them on, I can see – and here's the thing, people. We've probably got another 15, 20 like interview episodes plus then add in the recap episodes already in the works. But I can see when we get past those that it's like a, let's bring this person back on and let's go about 17 levels deeper than we initially or inherently did. You know, we need to do 17 levels of freaking conversational marketing tools, navigating your tools. That's what we need to talk about. Like Remington for me again, like <laughs> – You've done about a bazillion tutorials, brother. So I think this episode is going to weigh on you. And if you're watching this or, or listening to this as a wayfinding growth person and you don't know, which I don't know how this is even possible, that Remington has uh, – Remington, how many how many tutorials are you at now? I think it's 112. Oh, my gosh. So he's got 112. You just need to search. Go to iTunes. Uh, or go to Impulse Creative. They're on our website as well. But you can go to iTunes and you can search Creative Conversational Marketing. Hello. And you can listen <laughs> to them or you can watch them. Uh, and so we just need to weigh on you as far as additional tools and things like that. Um, but when when I think about tools and I think about talking to you and kind of you piggybacking on what David talked about is I think it comes down to like uh, – what they can do, viewers, what they can do, what they can read, what they can think about, what they can use, because there's just more than just physical or digital tools, I think, around in this conversation. Right, right. Yeah, well, one, one of the big things that stuck with me when David was talking about tools, we said tools, you expect, this is one of those areas where he like almost refused to talk about drift, but like, he he we said, hey, let's talk about tools. And he brought it back to people. And, and that's something that's very interesting to me, because that's happened four or five times now in all of our episodes. Like as we're going through, like we tell people, like, what's the tool? And they're like, have good people. And it's like, no, I asked you for a tool. And they're like, have good people. So, you know, it's this constant kind of back and forth there. But he talked about um, 
thinking about how people would act or how your your people would act when they walked into your business, like an actual brick and mortar store. And and like, what are the things you'd say and like and really take it from there? And that was some that was something that stuck with me and is very easy for us marketers who go like super deep into a topic to really kind of uh, remember is being able to being able to really think about like the basics. And so going into that, that, you know, the podcast being about conversational marketing, but David said as himself, it's a mindset. It's this thinking or an unlearning, if you will, of how we're currently doing things. And he talked about loving data. He talked about kind of digging into, you know, the reasons why people do things. But when he started talking about the unlearning, it brought up that thought about that he said in the very beginning, which was, which was like, what, what do people expect when they walk into your business? Is that the similar experience that they would expect going to your website? Right? It's like, you get that guy in the store when you walk in the brick and mortar and they say, how can I help you? And you can say, no, I'm good. Or you can say, hey, where's this? And, and those two basic questions are not normally answered on a homepage. <laughs> so that was, that was one mm. big, uh, that was one big piece for me. Um, the, when we talk about the actual tools and the cool thing is, is conversational marketing is really taking legs and, you know, David and his team at Drift has really been doing it. You know, they pretty much own the keyword for conversational marketing, um, in regards to, like expertise and about the whole initiatives towards especially the sales side of things. But when we start talking about like the chat bots and live chat and just making your website more intuitive, um, I thought it was really interesting how, um, you know, how we can start digging into the tool. So like drift allows for you to have that live chat. Uh, drift also has a free version by the way. So you can try out the live chat, get it on your site, but then they have the, the bots side of things which really dials it up. And it's doubled our conversion rates on our site um, in the short time that we've had it. Well, it's not even short time any longer. But it, very quickly, it turned around. Uh, <laughs> very quickly, it turned around and doubled conversion rates with minimal effort. So that's something that, you know, is just you know, the prospects are coming to your website and they're expecting something. And your current conversion points aren't speaking to them the right way. And so by putting a tool like Drift or a live chat tool or a chatbot tool on the site, now suddenly – um, you're connecting with a whole different group of people that you were ignoring before. So, so whether it's Drift, HubSpot just came out with conversations and bots. And of course, you and I've got some tutorials around that already. So people can check that out. But the big thing is not forgetting that it's just your website. Conversational marketing is so much more than that. And you even said it. You said, um, oh, my God, like my brain right now has been thinking about chatbots and conversational from a marketing point of view. But now it's like thinking about sales. And why don't you expand a little bit on that? Yeah, to be honest with you, because I had time to think about my own statement, which amazes me sometimes the things that come out of my mouth <laughs> in a good and bad way. I'm just going to throw that out there. But because I, I, I did, I had started to think about this conversational marketing because of being a marketer as a marketing tactic and a bolt on and really tied it to what has historically been chat and not even live chat, but just chat and, and really the kind of, oh man, you know, I just didn't like the feel of that. And I don't know if I like the feel of this, but it's, you know, and then they add in AI and so it's supposedly smarter, but it still has that feel. And it wasn't until David started to talk about it in the way that he was that I was like, oh, this is, 
this is not marketing. And I immediately went sales. But Remington, since I've had time to talk about it or think about it, it, to me now it's more of like, oh, no, this is like human. And this is actually just communication. And and like if you would have asked me, if you would have asked me, I guess six years ago, seven years ago, um, would I carry around a device uh, and talk to anybody at any time um, and be able to almost do anything on it? I would have been like, man, you, what you, what are you smoking? Like, what, what, you're crazy. Um, I almost <laughs> feel like conversational marketing, if it continues to be used right and continues to go in the direction that it is and is focused on instead of a marketing and a sales tactic, just a communication vehicle. Channel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, becomes super game-changing to any B2B, B2C, G2G, B2G, P2P, H2, whatever you want to put in there. Like anybody <laughs> doing business basically – it becomes a game changer. Now, what's super interesting to me, and I want to talk about this in a, in a little bit later on the episode, with thinking of that mindset, when we talk about early adopters and laggards, that brings on a whole new set of things that sure. possibly we run into. But I do have another question for you. I feel like I'm interviewing the interviewee or something. Anyway, <laughs> so David mentioned in the episode about, you know, like whatever you measure makes sense, whatever you measure gets done. You even just a couple minutes ago were talking about like success and measuring. And so like if if I'm the viewer, the listener, and I'm focused on growth – and mm-hmm. to understand what growth is, you need to have a starting point, a middle point, an ending point. You need to be able to measure what's happening during that. Like how how would you tell somebody who's trying to grow with conversational marketing how to measure the success or failure of that growth? Yeah, that's a great question. And then I got to finish up my thought too. But um, so digging into like – you know, the opportunity for conversational marketing, and we'll, we'll look at it from like the live chat chatbot point of view, like on a website. Most people's websites are brochureware. And if they aren't brochureware, then they're starting to turn into resources, but then they start to not really think about the user in regards to navigation, right? It's how do I want to organize my content instead of how does my prospect need the content? to get it more accessible. Um, the cool thing about conversational marketing is, and when you look at your starting point is most websites, and we go, we talk about this all the time in our audits, our website and our marketing audits is like, we talk about what that conversion rate is in general. And when we look at that conversion rate, um, a lot of times companies have less than 1% conversion rate overall traffic going to a lead or some other area. Um, you know, and, and when I mean less than that means that like, less than one out of 100 people coming to your website actually reach out to you, raise their hand in any way, shape, or form. Um, Most websites that are optimized are seeing more than one, but there's significant opportunity. You know, Impulse, at the time that we installed Drift, um, we, I think, were converting in general at around 1.75%, and Drift literally doubled that. Like we got about a hundred inquiries in, in a month on our site. 
Um, and then we had, and then we had 130 additional conversations the following month. So, so when you start to kind of understand where you're at, you just kind of have to measure, um, measure what you have going on and then understand what that conversion rate is. And that conversion rate's the big indicator of success. And you have to understand that's a big generalized, like all traffic to the website, but you could have landing pages that are much higher. Um, so when we looked at a landing page or like a high intent page, I'm going super deep with this question. Um, the landing pages we saw, um, the landing pages were at, we had a really good converting landing page. I think it was like 55%. It was like 50 or is around 50% conversion rate on that landing page specifically. And we added drift instead of a form on an AB test. And the conversions that happened on that landing page brought it up to about 65%. So, so when you think about that, right? We already had a landing page. One out of every two people that go to the page start to, you know, come in and convert. And we even increased that awesome conversion rate. That's really where conversational marketing ties in. And it just shows that it's how people are interacting. Nothing changed except for how we were asking people for their info. Yeah. And I think it's because, and I know this is going to sound weird, but it's, it's a simplified process. Um, and it also breaks the norm, right? So yeah. in, inherently when I go to a form or when somebody a little bit older than me goes to the form, I actually have a person in my mind right now that I'm thinking <laughs> of that like they they want to like reach into websites and pull every freaking form out and like smash it under their foot. Um, yep. I'm not going to name his name. But it's a guy, obviously, because I said him. But anyway, like when you you don't think of the the chat bot or this process in the same way as you think of the form, even though under the hood, some of the same things, collecting data, um, having lead intelligence on your person, is, it's like the same things are happening. It's just because it's a different way, right? Mm -hmm. Again, communicating is, is still happening. Uh, gaining that lead intelligence is still happening. And so Remington, I'm super curious, before I talk about us and actually how we are able to afford to do these amazing shows where we talk about these things. Is there any last things that you want to say about the interview with David, at least in this section? Yeah. Yeah. So when we talk, when we talk tools, one of the things that he said that was that, um, people don't know how to measure it. And that was the final, like the final thought in regards to where you're going there is, we don't know how to measure it because it's new and we don't really have a lot of data. So we know where to start with it, but we don't really know how to measure success. And when I say we, I mean companies in general don't see that as success. And David mentioned a lot about like marketing qualified lead numbers that certain certain salespeople had to had to hit or, or marketers had to hit and then number of calls that, that salespeople have to hit and stuff like that. So no one likes change and change is uncomfortable, but there's this one thing that I really want to bring across. So when you type something into Google, it could be anything, right? You don't even realize that as a human right now that we have dumbed down our searches in order to find what we want in Google. Only now with, you know, with smart speakers and, you know, Siri on the phone, you mentioned bringing around the supercomputer in your pocket, like that we now have this opportunity to have searches with natural language and we're texting and being so mobile. So that action is happening all the time. It's going to change just like we dumbed down in a Google search without even thinking about it. This shift that's happening is going to change. And what we have to do as companies is really kind of identify, okay, a marketing qualified lead means what? And then 
so what is in this new era what is this chat qualified lead as drift puts it or what is this contact that came through and is engaging in chat how do we measure them it's not a well that came through in lead lead form number one two three so that means it's a mql now it's a this person had this thing and they're interested in blue widgets and now we know what they're interested in. And, you know, that ties in perfectly to where you're going to start to go in regards to personas and all that kind of thing. So why don't you take it away? Yeah, I love the idea of simplification. Person, problem, company, solution, sold. Anyway, that's, that's probably where we're going with this. But this week's episode is brought to you by our Impulse Creative Marketing Audits. Look, if you want to make sure you got the right goals, you're talking to the right people, you want to make sure there's no technical things with your website or SEO or content plan, you do have a content plan moving forward, right? Please tell me you have a content plan. Moving. Anyway, you should check out our marketing audits. You can just head over to Impulse Creative, get a hold of us. You might even be able to use one of them, their chat bots to get a hold of us, and we'll be nice and human with the whole process. You know, the other thing that we were real human about was charting a course when we were with David, and there's a couple things that Remington and I started to think about, which is funny because we don't really look at each other's notes, and we, we think about things that we want to think about, but you talked about change, and, and one of the things for me was, there is going to be a lot of change and when and 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 David talked about who needs to be the owner you know and it's lead gen or demand gen as he called it and and I started to think this person is already busy like well hmm, yeah if you ask them <laughs> they will say they are busy right sure. um and so perception their perception I'm busy uh Man, there's so much I want to say right here, but I'm not going to. But but here's the thing. In in someone's thought process, they might be like, oh, here's just another layer, like another hat that I have to wear. Here's another thing to my job. And I super want people to be careful of that because you said people don't like change. And so sometimes we just stay in the same old rut um, and we see this layer that's getting added onto our plate and we don't realize how important that layer is. And therefore we won't take the, you know, we won't take the cheesecake off to get like the key lime pie. I know that went weird for a second, but the idea <laughs> is inherently as humans, we're really bad on saying, well, I'm going to change a process or th a set of things that I do every day to enable the room for something that is actually possibly, maybe, right? And these, this is what stops us from making that change, going to be dramatically better than what we've done historically. Like, look, I'll just give you a real life example. If I continued to create video like I created video three months ago, I wouldn't be able to create as much video as I do today. Um, if, if you, as a sales rep, say, I'm just going to communicate with my leads in the way that I've communicated with them for the last six months, six years, you may not be able to communicate with as many leads, make as many sales, buy as big a house, have a boat, like – Send your kids Golf. to college. Anyway, never mind. Yeah. I, I went too deep there. But you get the idea, no. right? And so so talk to me a little bit about because because he mentioned early adopters like that just works. Um, he talked about humans uh, trumping hits, like actually thinking about it at a human level. So during this charting the course, like what did you take away from that section and what were your thoughts there? Yeah, so um, so I kind of cheat because I I 
have been helping people like in the trenches, like setting up the course to get started with chatbots and conversational marketing. So, so like coming from there, I, I really hoped I knew what he was going to say. And so we were on the same page. So that was fantastic. But I think, I think some of the takeaways for our listeners and our viewers are, you know, so demand gen. So I, I love that he brought up demand gen as being the owner, right? Because five years ago, demand gen was not a position. Like, like demand gen, demand gen, the, the actions that someone are, was doing there. Sure. That might've been being done by someone, but it was probably a marketer or like a sales leader or something like that. But now, but now demand gen is a position. Um, and I like the idea that demand gen is the demand gen, you know, person is who he thinks should be in charge there because drift comes at conversational marketing, um, from a sales point of view, which you could tell when he was talking and, you know, in demand gen, people are always busy. And the reason they're always busy is because they're trying to generate leads to provide to their people. And this is one of the core things we talk about in our audits and the, you know, and the, in that conversion rate I mentioned earlier, like more leads does not always mean more work. It just means smarter work. And so, so you could be putting out that really awesome guide or you could be sending out, you know, that really awesome ABM campaign and sending the Apple watch to that CEO. But what happens when they get to your website? Like, are they, are they treated Mm. with the same red carpet? Mm. So, so drift specifically with their ABM tools has so much opportunity there because now you can, you can be greeting someone coming off the airplane. Imagine like you're coming out of the terminal, George, and then that terminal is your website and you're like, well, where do I go? And there's this friendly person right there holding up a sign that says, Hey George. Oh right? yeah. Like, oh like yeah. That all of a sudden, wow, I matter. So, so when we're talking about charting the course, it's getting out of your own mind in regards to, in regards to like what you're currently doing and really asking the question, what could we be doing smarter? And if I can double your conversion rates tomorrow by implementing a conversational marketing strategy, that essentially means that you have to do half the work that you're currently doing right now in order to generate those leads. I want people to think about that for a second. Yeah, and what I want you to think about is that Remington said, what if I could like double your leads? Uh, because if your draw, jaw <laughs> dropped to the ground and you thought, oh my gosh, all of a sudden we'd have, and you did a Rain Man moment, uh, well then just call him or again, hit yeah. up one of them, their chat bots on the website and we'll hook you up. You know, it's funny, uh, this, I feel like David's episode at this point after charting the course, took a fundamental like turn into what I might call the wayfinding growth twilight zone because it just yeah. got different than historically what we've done. So let's start with <laughs> Remington. Let's start with uh, the Bermuda Triangle, right? And, yeah. and, and we were like we were talking about pirates and why people couldn't do things. And, of course, the conversation around laggards um, and that people don't want change. Uh, that came up, and I immediately started to think about the book "Who Moved My Cheese" by Spencer Johnson. Um, I also thought about the oh, book. Oh, books! Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought about the book uh, "Known" by Mark Schaefer. Like both of those kind of went in my head when he started talking about laggards and um, attention and things like that. But <laughs> that's about as far as I got because then I asked the question, "Who's the pirate?" And he said, "Amazon." 
and Microsoft. Now, <laughs> let's back up for a hot second because we were talking about, at least I thought, we were talking about <laughs> conversational marketing. We were talking about drift and we were talking about like working smarter, creating more leads, like having better communication. Amazon <laughs> and Microsoft. So, yeah. so Remington, when that happened, like, where did what like what was going on in your mind when that happened? Because I was like, wait, what, what, what just happened? Yeah. So, so we all know that I was fangirling at the beginning of that episode, right? And so I was kind of like just taking it all in for a second. I totally even missed the intro. I didn't even say, hey, George, how are you doing? But when we got to this, when we got to this point, um, and you said Twilight Zone, let's just forget like the quote, how to hack the Bermuda Triangle. We were literally just, we're just cruising in the Bermuda Triangle. We're just in there. Like we were neck deep in the triangle. Yeah. So he, he brings out Amazon and Microsoft and, and anybody that's ever played Super Mario when they are the big Mario and then they run into a mushroom and you hear that, like, I just got small sound. That noise that went in my head was like, like, I just thought, I thought I was up here and I just found out I'm right here. Like, like it was because I don't look at, I don't look at Amazon and Microsoft as a pirate personally. Um, and I thought it was very interesting how he brought that in. So we can talk about that in a sec, but but I, I look at them as like influencing the market. Meanwhile, you have David Cancel, who is essentially looking at them in regards to how they define his market or how they influence his market in a completely different point of view. Like I'm saying, how can I do things like <laughs> Amazon and Microsoft? And David is thinking about how to avoid doing things that, <laughs> that tie in too heavily. So it was a very – it was a very – uh interesting point of view but i really liked where he came with that in regards to like he's looking at it in regards to how the expectation of conversational is is used um which i thought was very interesting and i'm not sure i fully 100 percent understand exactly where he was going with it but but the big thing was that they're two very influential companies in regards to commerce and especially online so how they interact and how they design experiences is obviously going to influence into anything we do um, all the way down. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I, Remington, I just don't think we're supposed to fully know. I, I, I feel like it's when you're playing that video game, right? You talked about the mushroom. When you're playing yeah. that video game, you just never know what is on the next level until you've actually had to live through that level. Or in, in a real life scenario, you never know what God is going to give you because if you did, you'd probably lose your mind before you got there. It's just like, it's just this thing that happens. But, but <laughs> continuing on, like, so we went into Captain Killing It, and um, it just it it was the same thing. Like you're so you're so dumbfounded right now. You didn't even say Captain Killing It the normal way. I was thinking to myself that I <laughs> I didn't even go into like the Captain Killing because okay. he, because here's the thing Be, because he he oh my gosh I mean it was so like so so who's killing it hashtag awesome by the way yeah we're not, like yeah we're yeah. Not, drilling this guy yeah i mean it was amazing yeah 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 yeah. this by by the way all of this that we're talking about for the last five or so minutes is because we're in awe of yeah. david cancel's brain <laughs> in general <laughs> because he's like he's like um so, so so david who's your captain killing it there you go and he's like 
Elon Musk. Immediately in my mind, I was like, so how many times do you have to save the princess in Donkey Kong before the guy that you're actually paying attention to, like all the time enough to be like in an instant, the person that you bring up as a captain killing it on a podcast is Elon Musk. And I'm like. Five bazillion times. That's the number. You have to save the princess five bazillion times. Then you become David Cancel from Drift, and you start to talk. Like, and, and here's I'm, – I'm making it funny, but Remington, what I'm really saying and what we're telling of this, of this story of the, the man that we had the opportunity to interview is, A, he's a great jockey. He's been around forever. He's done some amazing things for business. And and what the Bermuda Triangle and what Captain Killing It showed us is that it is a brain at a completely different wavelength than probably 90% of business owners – Folks doing this thing that we call entrepreneurship, like I was just blown away. Anyway, thought, yeah. thoughts thoughts on Elon Musk, dude? Like, where 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 do you go with that? Yeah, so I thought it was kind of cool. Um, and you know, I think Twitter. I have a love hate relationship with Twitter right now, just from a. I love to hate it. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I love Twitter because of the reach and the random stuff, but I hate Twitter because of the random stuff. Um, and the, yeah, anyways. Uh, but the, the big, the big thing with Elon Musk, obviously, you know, he, he's, he has no box, right? There's no, there's no box for Elon Musk. Like Elon Musk just does whatever he wants and he, he systematically says how he's going to get there. And sometimes he just says, Hey, I'm going to do this. And then suddenly, He's there. And it goes a lot with uh, last year, Darmesh talked about vectors that from that conversation he had there. And, you know, it, it just kind of just kind of brings that all together, because when you you know, I've had the opportunity to talk to to David, um, you know, when we were up at Drift HQ and then listening to him on Seeking Wisdom, like you can just tell he's thinking about like all of these different things, like he's just like absorbing. Um, but the the fact that he brought up Captain Killing It, and it was for both good and bad people. Like it wasn't like, oh, like he's holier than thou kind of conversation. It was like, yeah, he's doing pretty good because he's doing this and and he, you know, maybe he shouldn't do this. But it was like that's cool. I wouldn't have brought Elon Musk up. Like <laughs> personally. So that tells me we got a lot of work to do from an entrepreneurship point of view. But it also uncovered, to your point, how this you know, hacking the Bermuda Triangle and the Captain Killing It section just goes to why I love this so much. We have this, we have this like section that is never what we think it will be. Like you and I, yes, right? Like, like uh, Joey Coleman. <laughs> like, well, I don't know. Are we talking good pirate or bad pirate? Like, it's just one of those things. that's like this, this like free life. Going back to this, this, <laughs> this uh, video game analogies that we were throwing left and right, but kind of just. You know, understanding where someone's brain is at. And, um, you know, a lot of people can look at success as like everyone's an overnight success. And Gary Vee talks about this all the time. But like just because you're successful today doesn't mean you weren't successful yesterday. And it doesn't mean that you got there overnight. But people start to notice you. And I think it's really funny because I just had this conversation with someone the other day. And they're like, you, you're, you know, 
wow, you're so successful. You're blessed. And I'm like, yes, thank you. But it's been 11 years of ups, downs, left, rights, fumbles, crashes, mountains, valleys, like however, all the different ways you could do that. And I've owned one business and David Cancel is on his fifth, right? right. And, and all of those for the record very successful. So, so as we're going into this, like this growth mode, I think a lot of times people, especially younger generations start to be like, Oh, why can't I have success tomorrow? And I think David Cancel really identifies that it takes work and you're going to do it more than once and it's going to take a long time. So yeah, that's my, that's how I thought about it. So I'm super curious if you were just referencing millennials on Wayfinding Growth Podcast. I won't go there, but people, I'll tell you one thing that isn't a game is your growth, your business's growth. And so one last time, you need to check out Hyper Growth if you A, live in the Boston area or B, are going to be there for inbound. Go to last week's episode. There's ways that you can get free VIP tickets. If you have anything that you want us to cover to help you grow your business, make sure that you email us wg at impulsecreative.com. It's time for us to set sail. You know you can always reach out to Remington on the Twitters or email. You can always reach out to me as well. If you're listening to this show on iTunes, make sure you leave us five stars or however many stars you like. I don't know. Leave us leave us six and say David Cancel's awesome. Yeah, leave that because that be I will screenshot <laughs> that crap and send it right to him. As well as if you're watching this on YouTube or wherever you're watching it, because we do also have it on iTunes in video. But go ahead and hit the button for subscribe, like it, do those great things. Make sure you let us know that you're part of our community. You can always sign up for our newsletter, too, because we totally didn't mention that in this episode. But there's a link up there or down here, depending on where you are on the page. And if you're not on the page and you're listening to this, you don't even know that I pointed because I'm on video. Anyway, it's time for us to set sail. So let's just say this. Leave the dock of mediocrity. Set sail to the sunset of your success. And hopefully, we'll see you on the other side.